0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Connected Knowledge from Upland Software on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. Today, we're talking about change. Big change, small change, and all the change in between. But here's the thing. Employees report the lowest willingness to accept enterprise change in years. What's behind this so-called transformation deficit? Luke Jamieson, our own solutions consultant for Upland's Contact Center Productivity Solutions, and Michael Matson, veteran customer experience practitioner and thought leader are here today to explain it and how knowledge management solutions might just get us out of that adaptation trough. Michael Mattson, Luke Jamieson, a pleasure as always. Uh, pleasure to see you again, Luke and Michael. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Pete. G'day, Pete. G'day, Michael.
0: Changing personnel, changing work, these are an inevitable part of business, right? We know there are moving parts. We know that there's confusion inherent in the process. Organizations are complex organisms. So what's going on with organizational change, right? When we look at the fact that organizations, it it seems like this this idea that employees are less willing to change or more frustrated with change uh, can result in some real stagnation across the organization. So what's going on with with this? Michael, you want to kick us off?
2: Yeah, you know, organizational change, like you said, it's inevitable. Um, I think it's less of employees are, are reluctant to change, and more about how well change is managed by organizations, and um, a lot of that has to do with the the vision around the future state of that organization, and um, you know, really outlining the steps that those employees can take, c- holding their hand along that journey, and making sure that they feel confident as they as they take that walk that path that new path, that uncharted path, it's clarity of vision and then how that is relayed. So definitely a huge, you know, pinnacle is communication as is, you know, any kind of relationship with any other human being. If you can't communicate properly, if you can't establish that common ground, then you're not going to be, um, you know, walking in the same direction. You're going to be fighting each other. Well I think about the old adage which
1: is you've probably heard it in management change the people or change the people and I actually think this is an attitudinal problem I think that we are that organizations are, are saying you know you either get rid of the people and get new people that are going to get on board or you make people change and I don't think either one of those is is a simple or an easy answer and so can, you need, I think organizations need to have uh, an in, introspective approach to this and look at themselves and say, if we are to change people and how they do things, how do we help them do that? If we need to get rid of people in order to bring the right people in, then how do we frame that up in, in the right way? And so I think it's we need to do away with the change the people or change the people and have how do we change ourselves to better enable our organization to manage through change.
0: I think you just ended your statement with a perfect segue question. So I'll ask you both, how do you change the people to better manage the organization? I, I like to think of it this way,
1: that change requires two things. It requires motivation and ability. And... As an organization, it's you need to find out what it is that, that's motivating people and tap into that. That's a that personal connection. But then you also need to give people the ability. And that is where I think things like knowledge management play a huge, huge part.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about knowledge management, Michael, um, you know, What's your sense on, you know, in your experience managing uh, through these customer experience changes? On how knowledge management and a, and a robust knowledge management system can help
2: wedge us through the challenges of the uh, of this adaptation trough? Yeah. So you know, generally speaking, you know, change is full of anxiety, right? You know, it it creates um, unsettled ground, and I think that having a stable platform of information and communication is critical knowledge management is one aspect of that and it it has a lot of benefits in creating consistency within messaging and really what you can do is leverage that um to really embed the the vision and all of the aspects of it um, in really actionable steps and really actionable information that align your employees through this common messaging, get everybody on the same page. And really, there's a reinforcement aspect of it, too. So there's some governance of it. You know, it allows you to be really, really consistent and consistency creates change. A culture is the culmination of individual actions. And to ensure that a culture can change, it means that every single action needs to be aligned with that that future state vision and you know clear and consistent communication is one way of achieving that. It's it's a hu- it's a necessary way of achieving that.
0: I'm, I'm going to take what might end up being a sidebar, but I'm I'm curious about this this angle because another thing that we know about culture is that it is it is right for shared incentive modeling, right? Like, what is it about? A particular organizational culture that drives people to come to work every day. And over the last, let's say, even 20 to 30 years, we've had a real roller coaster of what organizations believe drives employee incentive to come to work, to adapt to change uh, as the market thrusts it upon them, and to stay at a job long term and continue delivering uh, for the organization. And Part of that roller coaster at the at the low point of the roller coaster of change is like we have employees who are going to stay because they love the work and they love the people. And at the high, much more expensive end is we have employees who are going to stay because we pay them a lot of money and we do their dry cleaning and we watch their kids. Right. It's it's that extrinsic kind of I am golden handcuffed to the organization because they're motivating me with perks. And I'm curious how a. Where a, a robust knowledge management system plays into correcting the benefits inflation curve that marks employees staying for the wrong or, or for misguided incentive purposes.
1: Sure. Look, I think to build on what Michael said, culture, you know, my definition of culture is it's a, a set of behaviors repeated in order to, to change those behaviours, you need some some guidelines and you need those guide rails because otherwise, you know, if your behaviours are, are negative and you'll have a negative culture, if you have these positive uh, repeated behaviours, then you'll have a positive culture. So, so how do you drive that? And Knowledge, where where knowledge management plays a part in creating a great culture is that it gives you not just the knowledge, but it also gives you the those guide rails. You know, it can help you with the tone and the, all the other bits and pieces that go along with delivering a message, and that then becomes snippets, smart snippets, little pieces of knowledge. We're not asking. We're not asking you to change an entire uh, your entire self is just just change this little one little thing and repeat that over and over again and so a knowledge management system really helps with that when it's broken and chunked and layered down into these little smart snippets now when we think about that from a uh a, a, what motivates someone to come to work uh and yes of course we've got the extrinsic but we also and, and i talk about this a lot we are are, uh, we have an amazing thirst for knowledge as humans. We always want to learn, and the way we learn, particularly now, with uh, you know, if you don't know something, what is one of the first things you do? You Google it. You go to YouTube. You find the quickest way to absorb that piece of information so you can apply it. Um, perfect use case for for knowledge management. If we are where where knowledge management plays that part, is we are giving them the tool to to quench that thirst for learning and so that is a huge motivator because once you once you absorb knowledge once you have knowledge you put a value on that knowledge when you value that knowledge you nurture that knowledge and when you nurture that knowledge you then become you you have a pride in it and that pride feeds back into your organization drives great customer outcomes drives great business outcomes and it becomes this amazing virtuous
0: cycle it feels like uh, what i'm hearing is that we're we're talking you know ab- about shining a light on these feelings of isolation, of silo, of frustration, and replacing it with "look, we have a tool that will allow you to feel confident and be courageous in what you are able to 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 do with your job every day." Michael,
2: yeah, um, you know, I think that there's an operative word that you just brought up, Pete, was confidence, and um, I think when it comes to change, because of the, you know, the anxiety-ridden environment, um, employee confidence is at an all-time low. When everything's changed, there's no stability. And so when you have something as a beacon of stability, then that can be very, very powerful uh, in increasing the employee confidence. Um, It can help you really hone in on the why and connect the employee to the purpose of what they're doing, which again, lends to the, um, you know, the removing that feeling of isolation. And um, also, it's just straight up about employee effort, right? I mean, somebody who doesn't have the tools and resources available to them, they're going to be less satisfied, they're going to feel like they're not adequate to be in that role they're going to feel unfulfilled because they can't do what they're there to do. And that is typically take care of the customer, add value to the customer and add value to the business. And if they can't do it because they're hogtied, then there's big problems. And you're going to start to see a lot of, um, you know, a lot of employee churn because they don't feel well supported. When we,
1: if we think about confidence and we think about change, there is a shared... Value in the equation. So, if change requires both motivation and ability, then confidence is control possibility. Yeah. So, it's about delivering that ability.
0: Two things strike me. One that, which I think gets back to something Michael you were talking about earlier in our conversation, is that it, giving employees the confidence to support the customer, to to know that they are, they have agency in supporting the customer. By extension also means you have to know where you fit in the customer relationship, whether you're designing a chip or packaging products or putting bubble wrap in a box, right? You have to know where you fit in the overall chain. And what I'm hearing is a greater investment in understanding how knowledge management supports those features those functions can do a lot to help give light to the intrinsic motive intrinsic motivation that of why people show up every day and why they feel good and confident and courageous to do their jobs but i want to go back to this statistic th- that we opened with and it, it was it was not me who made up transformation de- deficit right that was a that's a harvard business Re- review uh, um, term, Gartner research says employees' willingness to support enterprise change dropped from seventy four percent in twenty sixteen to forty three percent in twenty twenty two. That feels like a non trivial drop over a pretty short period of time, in an era where change has been dramatic, right? I, I mean, we this area has moved us through the pandemic. What do you think? might be the relationship between employee perspectives on change and the era in which we are living
1: on i I look i love how how publications brand these things you know i've 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 heard it called uh change fatigue as well oh yeah that's a good Uh, one that's a delicious one what what we're asking people to do is effectively create new habits Mm -hmm. but if we're putting out. So in that same, in that Harvard Business Review, they also say that there's an average of ten planned
0: enterprise changes. I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know how to who ten. Who's counting this? Do they have? Is well, there somebody standing at the door counting this? What is going yeah. on? <laughs> Maybe, but let's let's put that
1: into perspective, okay? Because change to form a new habit, you may have heard of the the twenty one ninety rule. So it takes mm-hmm. twenty one days to form a habit, ninety days to make that permanent. It also takes us 30 days to 60 days to break a habit. So let's do the maths on that. If there is 10 new change initiatives happening in your organization every 12 months, at worst, it's 900 days worth of habitual change. You know, that is, that is 600 days worth of, of trying to cha- break a habit. And we're cramming that into 365 days, 241 working days. So mm-hmm. is there any doubt as to why people are feeling change fatigue? So how do we do that? How do we, it, the reality is we are going to have to, you know, at the, it's only going to get worse as we, technology evolves, we, you know, the time frame between each, between each evolutional step uh, every time it halves in years. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we think about all of the, Those big timeframes within our within our history, like the industrial revolution, the the information boom, the the customer uh, the customer experience boom, the employee life cycle. Each time, it's you know first it it took twenty years, ten years, five years. We're in the the world of AI, and that is changing so rapidly right now.
0: It happened a year hell, ago. We got AI exactly. and I feel like I've had it. Now I'm expected to be an expert on it, like I've had it all my life. Uh-huh. And and how do you this is how employees feel. So how do you
1: how do you approach that? And without sounding like a broken record, this is this is the sweet spot for knowledge management because it chunks and layers things and delivers it in small snippets. We're asking you to just change little things those little tiny pieces at once we're not asking you to uh totally revolutionize and change every aspect of your life but the reality is we're going i would not be surprised that was from 2022
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's probably 20 change change initiatives
0: happening in 2023 and 2024 yes it's so dropped how to do we Eight percent we're all <laughs> we're all in the boat together don't worry about it i i wonder if we could can, can we can we case it out can you give me an example of uh, if, from your work and i you know michael your experience like give me an example of how you have seen knowledge management play a role in helping to adapt to change i want to i want to give listeners an idea of what it looks like and feels like to see change happen using these tools intelligently can you help with that
2: yeah certainly I think that in a lot of organizations we kind of run into this issue i mean you're talking about you know that change fatigue um you know we'd always have this feeling of well it's the the new flavor of the week new flavor of the month and you know that really comes down to um you know changing rapidly changing priorities or the perception of it from our frontline employees um and a lack of you know consistency and so the perception is that this is just a, a flavor of the month because it has this initial push up front where it's you know brand new change it's shiny you know there's you know it's well communicated maybe even at first and then it falls off right because now we think it's it's stable it's solidified habits have changed and what we end up doing is um, we have a lot of you know Initiatives that have really strong starts and then zero sustainability and change management can be used and has been used in, you know, my organizations um, as ways of really, you know, creating that reliability, you know, some that stability and demonstrating through action that, hey, this is not a, you know, this is not a a change that's just going to go away. This is something that, you know, as an organization, we're serious about. And so it really demonstrates through actions, the priority, and then it puts the information to support it at the employee's fingertips. And then it also removes um, middlemen, right? Barriers that could act as, as communication barriers. So you're not relying on, you know, your, your direct has to, you know, relate to their directs has to relate to their directs. And you know, if anybody here has ever played telephone, we know what that message is going to look like at the end. Well, yeah. And it,
0: it points out a lot of, of training development holes too, right? Did all the managers get the same training? Does everybody know the language that we're using in the same vernacular? It can be very frustrating.
2: Yeah. And even when messages are communicated, I mean, I've experienced this firsthand. You know, I explain... You know, the why behind a change, I go, you know, I really go all out to make sure that every single one of my employees understands exactly what the change is, why we're doing it, and how we're going to do it. And then the next time that's communicated, it's it's just how we're going to do it. Yeah. it it's right. stripped of the context. It's stripped of all of that other, you know, really valuable information that you need to actually create a purpose, a connection to that change and sustain it. And then you wonder why those the um, you know the frontline employees are not doing it. It's because when it was communicated to them, it came off as we're doing this because I told you so.
0: Oh man, it's, you just defined the the razor sharp line between purpose and process. Right? Yep. If it comes to you as a purpose, you get it. You see the alignment, yep. you're on board. If it comes to you as a process, it's just another checklist. Yep. Luke, you're shaking your head the whole time. I know you have a nightmare <laughs> story. Well, it's
1: not a nightmare story. It's actually a good story. Okay. So I was studying studying in America and one of the – and around – it was around this change management. And we were in an organization in Detroit that um, manufactured uh, like metal parts. Uh, And they were parts ranging from, you know, car parts to bike parts and all these sort of things. And over – uh, a series of of you know twelve months they introduced a, a whole heap of new kpis and the production quality got worse and worse and so as part of this uh, scholarship it was to go in and and do do some research and understand why that was and a big part was that people didn't understand what the why the Kpis are being introduced what was it that they were doing they were just punching out widgets you know just I don't know have you guys seen eight mile you know in, in, there's this scene where oh yeah uh, ms just like pulling this lever pressing these parts yeah and then throwing them onto a onto a pallet it was the same sort of thing so this is the kind of um, environment we've walked into anyway so so, when we met with management, we ended up going through what's the meaning, what's the purpose. And so we then took everybody from the, from the factory floor and we went on an excursion and we went down to the local park and we watched, um, we were watching people ride, kids ride their bikes around, uh, around the park. And they were all wondering why we're here. Anyway, the, the management's like, well, this is, you know, this is the parts you're making. You're making the parts, the brakes for these bicycles. And if they fail, here's here's the end result all of a sudden manufacturing quality went through the roof because they understood just that small snippet that hey this is what this is has meaning i actually need to do this better because if i don't kids fall off and scrape their knees you know it's all worse
0: <laughs> right right you're right that is great story unless it's for the kid then it might be a nightmare story it's a great story and and it really I mean that's the that's the perfect uh, sort of insight around purpose what does purpose mean it means you understand your place in the value chain for your end customer and for the product that your organization delivers whether it's information or a, a piece of plastic and rubber I mean it's that's that's fantastic so uh, let's talk then about some of the the tools and implementation that helps actually get the job done right what are some of the uh, some of the tools and processes that help address these specific kind of purpose guidance challenges?
1: Look, I think uh, in in this space these there is two different types of, of knowledge, right You've got this institutional knowledge, this this um, tribal knowledge that that people have taken on board and they're comfortable with and there is an element of trying to capture that so that so that people, um, feel like they're heard. They feel like they're listened to. Uh, we are we are not losing uh, that institutional knowledge, and doing it in such a way that doesn't feel like we're threatening people. That we're we're taking that. That's your. We're taking the one thing that that gives you your job. Like I remember when I was a, a baker and pastry chef, uh, and uh, uh, sorry, as an apprentice, and one of the places I started at, the head baker would not teach me the secret to to making this loaf of bread like to getting it really crusty he wouldn't because it was like this is my secret sauce this is what i do and so nobody's learning from that nobody that doesn't get transformed like he's he was keeping that to himself so that you know that was his his trademark or what made him valuable we need to. It's there's a big part about going into when, in that change is finding these these sacred cows, say, finding these this institutional knowledge, this tribal knowledge, and setting up a, a psychological safe, a psychologically safe environment where people feel that it's okay that they can share that and not lose that uh, that value. Um, and the, the real value is the sharing of that knowledge and the imparting of that knowledge to others. So, so that again is where, you know, bring bringing those sort of people into uh, a knowledge management project where you are trying to to capture all of that and break that down and chunk and layer that down um, is really important. That that's that's one thing, Michael. I am sure you've got some some cracking examples from your from your time.
2: The psychological safety is huge. It's a huge aspect of it, and I think that there has to be a different culture around sharing that knowledge. Like from my experience, um, a lot of people try to safeguard information as if it was their secret weapon to making sure that they couldn't be touched. And I think that that stems from a survival culture, a survival mindset. And, you know, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, that means that that employee doesn't have you know, their basic needs being satisfied, right? Mm-hmm. The organization's not providing that, the culture has, you know, maybe some toxicity and you try to hang on to all of these, these nuggets as if they were currency. You know, I think that that creates a really rough cycle for the organization and for employees. Um, and it disconnects, um, uh, you know, th- our employees from the, the purpose, and prevents us from establishing a culture that's revolving around, you know, being engaged with the change and driving change and really being a part of it, right? Getting, like, have some skin in the game instead of, you know, you are just, you know, somebody that holds this, you know, this information as if it were, you know, some kind of life vest. Hmm. Um, yeah. It's now I can be a part of this this change that's going to help my customers or help my peers. And I can be a part of that. And I can, um, you know, I can really make some real, a real difference in this, in this world, you know, knowledge management tools do a great job at that. Um, but it also comes down to, you know, the organizational culture and the actions that, um, you know, management and, really anybody within that culture how they act towards each other and you know what is demonstrated as being valuable and if it's if value is placed on information as if you're this subject matter expert and that's the only thing you can hang your hat on and that's the only reason you exist in the organization then that's going to be a losing battle and you know it goes back to that you know instant institutional knowledge and how we safeguard that, how we collect that, how we socialize it, you know, remove that, but also demonstrate employees values as, as humans and as, you know, key, key change agents, instead of, you know, subject matter experts, change agents.
0: I adore that you brought up Maslow. It's a, it's a real sort of dog whistle for me Uh, Mm -hmm. because we forget, I think managers forget, I think organizational leaders forget that uh, individuals, once they have their health and safety needs taken care of, we're all working towards self-actualization and we're spending 40, 50, 60 hours or more at work doing that very thing. And part of our part of our agency is We made the choice to be here. Help us make the choice to stay. Help us make the choice to help others and solve problems. I love that. As we get to wrapping up here, this might be a question that's too loaded for a last question of the podcast, but I'm going to roll the (laughs) the dice. Let's see how it goes. Bring it on. (laughs) Uh, As we get to wrapping up here, you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, oh my God, this seems like such a huge thing to tackle. How do I even know if I have a cultural challenge that knowledge management might be able to help me resolve? What do you recommend when you're looking at an organization that has never approached change from the perspective of KM about figuring out how to audit their own place, their own L&D, their own IT, to figure out what holes they need to patch, what systems they need to resurrect from the carcass of old systems? Gross metaphor, Michael?
2: Yeah, um, I think it, you know, start with the end in mind. Look at the output of your processes. And you're looking for all of these gaps, right? If you see if you see um, disconnects, if you see inconsistency, high um, variability, then those are probably indications that you have a need for consistency. And knowledge management tools are great at helping build in consistency. Um, I would urge anybody addressing these problems to really, you know. Identify the root cause. You know, don't take it as like you know this is a this is the only solution. This is going to fix everything. That's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not the reality. Because every organization has their own challenges. They have their own needs. And until you become more emotionally intelligent as an organization, you're and and do that work to be reflect. You know, self reflective, and um, and really understand. You know, what you're trying to accomplish, you know, how you can really connect to other people. And, you know, you're, but you you have to identify what are you actually dealing with, right? You have to understand the true issue. And I think a lot of organizations do a really good job at identifying symptoms. I think, you know, it's because those are easy, right? You know, just do a simple five whys. And figure out what, you know, a root cause, the root cause mm-hmm. of that issue is. And I would bet communication is going to come up as one of the major root causes in a lot of organizations. But you need to identify that. And you need to make sure that um, you have a cross-functional team that makes up of different stakeholders within the organization to to be... Um, you know, really contributing to that conversation, because otherwise you're going to be going in with blinders, you're going to be going in with, um, you know, trying to combat groupthink, you're going to be um, running into issues with, uh, you know, (laughs) running into the boundaries of your silos, you know, you're really not going to get to the heart of it. If you don't do the work,
1: I think take a take a walk, let's talk about contact centers, take a walk through your contact center. Uh, and it's I think it's glaringly obvious in in places you know if you're seeing somebody who's got folders stacked upon folders and notes and post-it notes left right and center y- you've probably got a challenge if you, if you're seeing someone constantly getting asked lots of questions that same person because they've got this tribal knowledge you've probably got a challenge um, have a look at your team's chats that are, that are taking place do some analysis around that and if you you know there is there is crazy amounts of of chat and the same questions being asked then you've got it you've got a, a problem right and these are these are some of those telltale signs that that you can say knowledge management can help yeah michael's right it's not the silver bullet right but it is uh it sure does it sure does help it's it's about you know I, I, michael i loved your your analogy there before of the the life fest and i haven't been able to get that picture out of my head i i'm i'm of all these people floating in the water with their life, their life preservers, right? And I just imagine that if they realised, you know, I'm, I've got this like thing of of Titanic, like floating around in my head right now, and grim, there's man. you know Rose Very sitting grim. on the, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, she's sitting on the door, and um, yeah. Anyway, oh Jack, don't,
0: don't let go.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm thinking about if everyone just combined their life pr- pr- preservers, their life vests together and stitch them together, they could create this boat that would house way more people. And it's about, you know, I think this is so much about going into the organization. And, and this is an opportunity to showcase some of your employees' knowledge and abilities and talent and, you know, really put them up on a pedestal in order to help them help others you know so how do we turn that life preserver into a boat how do we take your amazing knowledge your tribal knowledge how do we take that and convert it into something that is really really amazing so uh i don't know i'll stop there but i think i think that there's 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 really something in that there's this this needs to be seen as an opportunity to 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 highlight people's knowledge and showcase that not to make them feel fearful that that it needs to be absorbed by everybody else.
2: Yeah, and I do want to add to that, Um, you know, going back to the employees, you know, our people floating out there, you know, at the Titanic, (laughs) the sinking Titanic. um, You know, I think it it goes to show how important employee experience is as a whole and how critical it is to really, um, you know, like Luke said, you know, go to where the work is being done you know, get hands on, go observe, and also go talk to those employees, you know, talk to them directly, um, listen to them, really truly understand what they're going through. And they're going to tell like those employees, they have ideas, they have a really great idea of what, you know, could really help them do their jobs. And then on the other side is, you can't ever forget to just listen to your customers too, you know, look through those, those, um, voice of the customer channels and see what they're saying. And if you are also seeing that, Hey, I was told by, you know, one employee uh, that this is the, you know, this is the right process. And then I got completely conflicting information from another employee. Hey, red flag right there, lack of consistency, you know, so those can be strong indicators. Um, and you know, it's it's about building that confidence with both our employees and our customers. And to do that, you have to be consistent.
1: Mm. It's such a big thing, right, about employee engagement that you want to have a sense of impact. And I think maybe to round out to, you know, back to back to where we started, change the people or change the people. Maybe the attitude of employees should be change the organization or change organization. So, Mm -hmm. and, and organizations need to allow that change to, to also come from the ground up. You know, we need to listen and, and, and bring, you know, let that change happen within our organizations. So I'll, I'll think I'll, that's a good way to finish for me.
0: Well, it's a perfect mic drop. Thanks so much, uh, both of you, for hanging out and and uh, uh, demonstrating uh, what it takes to have some agency and change some organizations. Uh, and I think, you know, I've got some links in the show notes. We're going to talk about, I've got links to uh, some Panviva resources and uh, some great links. So look at the links, check out the links, swipe up in your show notes. It's super, super easy. Uh, and you can get a little bit more information about this this concept. And, and um, is there anything else you want to send people to uh that might help them learn more specifically what's off what's right off the dome right now where you want to send people to learn more anything and yeah, we definitely
1: need to put some of michael's socials in there because he's got some some great thought snippets
0: michael uh, is an international man of mystery and he is only found <laughs> in dark corners in it conferences <laughs> black hat that's all only... no no comment no... <laughs> absolutely we will put contact information <laughs> for Michael as he drifts into the shadows once again uh, and uh, uh, so check the show notes for that and you know what else we've got this listener feedback for in on our very own uh, site so swipe up at the show notes again and, and tap if you have a question because we'll send Michael and Luke these questions and have them answer them for us on, on the show later. We absolutely will. They're they're nice people. They'll answer your questions. We've got them. They're starting to stack up and, uh, and so we've got, I, I have a feeling we might have a listener question uh, episode coming up uh, uh, sooner rather than later. So thank you all. We appreciate you downloading and listening to this show. Thank you for your time and attention. And, uh, you know, as the great uh, uh, Bard of Detroit says, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes Once in a lifetime, yo. On behalf of Michael Mattson and Luke Jamison, I'm Pete Wright. We'll see you next time right here on Connected Knowledge.